Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hi everyone. I'm glad to hear my mic's a bit softer. I just want to get to my space here. Alright, so, yeah, welcome to the new people. Um, my name is Devald. I'm the youth leader here at Church for Johannesburg. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> and I'm, uh, no, I'm excited to, to bring the word this morning. Um, although I, I feel God has already done most of it. So, But uh, yeah, I'm going to pray for us and then we can jump into it. Yeah, Father God, thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you for just being here. Thank you for showing up. Oh, Holy Spirit, we just want to come and pray that you would really just have your way here this morning. Come and guide my words. Come and really just have your, let your will be done. Because, Lord, at the end of the day, it's about you. And, Lord, I just glorify you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this whole year... I think from, from January, which was like two days back, right? <laughs> this year flew by. But this whole year, I, I really just, I really felt God just calling me to surrender. And there's been such an amazing, just a, almost like a peace in just saying, Lord, this belongs to you. This is out of my control. Can I just give this to you? And while surrendering, I'm also like sitting there like, Lord, can't I just have like a third of it back? Because uh, it feels weird not having control over something, right? And the Lord just continuously, and then when I take something back, I have to surrender it again and take it back and surrender. And it's been this whole thing the whole year of me just coming to say, Lord, this is what I, this is what I want you to do, and you're not doing it. Why aren't you doing it? And I had to surrender my expectation before the Lord. I had to surrender my voice before the Lord. And it's been a big battle. But when I, when I volunteered for preaching today, I really just felt God saying, let's just go back a bit. And so when I did um, my ministry training for show for in 2017, 2018. The first sermon I did in front of a group of guys was, uh, was Daniel 3. About uh, Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes? There we go. I've got it. Yeah, yeah. Those words. And it's the first sermon I did. And I remember one of the guys coming after me, after, after I preached, he came to me and he said, Devout, you don't have your confidence yet, but I believe God is going to give it to you. And I was like, sure, okay. I can, I can sort of work with that, right? <laughs> it's like a complicit, you know. It's like, you did well, but not so well that we're going to, like, uh, call you to preach soon. I'm like, cool. But it's okay. And so God took me back to this sermon. And it's a very long chapter. I'm not going to read all of it. But I want to focus on 
a little bit of it. So just to give you context, these three men, I'm not going to try and pronounce their names again because it's difficult, right? So these three men in Daniel 3, they are just going, going along the, like their business, going along with the everyday, and the king, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Yes? Yeah. He, he comes and he builds this massive image of gold, and he calls everyone in his region in Babylon, he calls together and he says, you will now worship this image, right? And so everyone comes there, and there's a guy, I, I'm almost like imagining him standing on a little pedestal, he's like, okay, nations, are you guys ready? When the music plays, you'll worship, okay? And so all, everyone bows down, and it's this big thing of, I want to say, million, almost like hundreds of thousands of people in front of this big idol that the king has now erected for himself right? And everything is okay. And these three men are just going about their business. They're not even there. They're just like, we're just going to continue doing the king's taxes and uh, make sure that his dry cleaning is done and just get his cappuccino. Everything is happy, you know? And in this, the other guys who are worshiping this image, to an extent, become actually a little bit jealous. Like, why are these guys not here? So they go to the king, and they start accusing these three men, right? And they go to the king, and they say to him, and I just want to read this, um, da Daniel 3, verse 12. It says, But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And so here they come, and they're like, in all these thousands of people, the king didn't even see these three, didn't do what he asked him to do. And these uh, Chaldeans, thank you, my wife, I appreciate it. Chaldeans, they come and they start accusing the Jews, right? And this is the king's re reaction, and he says, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned these three men. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music... If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And so here the king comes in very arrogantly and is like, I know all the gods. Which God is going to be able to rescue you from me? Like, he sees himself as a God. And he comes in and he says, well, I'm all-powerful, so no one's going to be able to take you away from me. So he challenges God of the Jews, our God. First mistake, right? And then it goes on and it says, 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your hand, from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And I want to stop at this statement they're making here. Right? So, let's just put ourselves in their feet, in their shoes for, for a second. You're standing in front of the, the king of Babylon, the most powerful king of that time, reigning at that time. And he tells you, you will bow to my image or you will die in a fiery furnace. And these three men standing there had every right, or not every right, but have every opportunity to say, well, let's just bow before this thing and get it over with. Let's go back to work. Let's go on with our lives. It's not that big a deal. It's fine. Let's do this. Right? They had the opportunity to do that. And I mean, if you've got thousands of people standing looking at you while the king is rebuking you and telling you, you should do this or you should do that, and now you reply and you're like, no. I think all his advisors fell on their faces in laughter about who does this guy think he is? Who do these free men think they are? to talk to the king like that. But I want you guys to see this, is that they didn't do it arrogantly. They still addressed the king with humility and with respect, even though they didn't agree with him. And now we're standing, they're standing in front of this king, and they can basically say, well, sure. You know, we've been here long enough. We know how this works. We don't want to die like, we can do more living than we can do while we're dead. So we're just going to bow in front of your thing and then uh, go on with our lives. There's many arguments that I can make here, right? And yet the reply to the king is, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and He will deliver us from it. What relationship do you have to have with Jesus Christ in order to make that statement? I would be standing there and the sweat would be pouring off my head, looking like I just took a swim, right, in fear of what this guy is going to do to me, not just because the furnace is standing next to me and it's like actually very hot. Standing there and being like, Lord, you know my heart. Can I just like escape from this? And our expectation would be from God, is like, Lord, you don't want us to go into the fire, so you're going to make a way for us to get away from this before we get into the fire. 
And there's a place where we have to come and say, Father, my expectation and your will is not aligned. And these three men are such a beautiful, I want to say, <laughs> model of what God is asking from us. Many times in our lives, we would be sitting in a situation where we have to talk to our boss or we have to talk to someone and we know it's coming. And we sit before the Lord and we cry out and we're like, Lord, take this away from me. Father, I don't want to go through this process. I don't want to do what needs to be done. There has to be someone else. And their reply is simple. We don't answer to you. That's basically what they say. And we have to ask ourselves a question. Who are we as Christians accountable to really? Who are we accountable to? We're all in workplaces. We're all in spaces where some things are required of us, or they want to make a requirement of us, and we know that it's not, it. it's not in God's Word to do that. It's actually against God's Word to do that. And yet we're like, I'll do it because everyone else is doing it. Right? And in that moment, we have to realize that we're either going to compromise and just go along with everyone else, or we're going to actually stand strong for God and stick out like a sore thumb. But here's the problem. We don't know it's, a God's, we don't know it's against God's word because we don't always know God's word. These three men studied God's Word. It was inside of them. They understood what it meant to worship other idols. They understood what it does to your relationship with God. And for that reason, they were strong enough to fight what even the most powerful man in Babylon can tell them. And I want to go further. And it says, so they make this reply. And the king, of course, loses his mind completely, right? And it says, he was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than normal. And then he, then he asked some of his strongest soldiers, go tie these men up, get them ready for the furnace. And as they're walking up to the furnace with these men, and I'm, I'm just summarizing now because there's a lot. He's taking these men, and as they're about to throw them into the fire, the man that's throwing them in dies. First miracle. Right? They couldn't get close enough to throw these guys in properly, so they just like rolled them in because it was too hot. Can you understand that? So now they're in the fire. And what's their response? 
They're in the fire, and they're walking around in there as if it's a Mauritius holiday, and they're like just sipping on their cocktails, right? It's, it's ridiculous to read these stories and think, this is the God we serve. And here's the amazing part. So now they're in the fire, and it says, Then the king leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Were there not free men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? And they replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, there are four walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God's. He leaped to his feet and he sees Jesus in between them. And the problem with us is we're so focused on the situation that we don't see Jesus in our fire. It took Nebuchadnezzar to see Jesus. Can we just get excited about God stepping into that fire? And it took an unbeliever, a polytheist, a person that believes in so many gods, to recognize Jesus. It doesn't say here that the three men like shook hands with Jesus in the fire and embraced him. They most probably didn't even know he was there. And yet, when we are going through our hard times, we need to bring in our community so that they can help us see Jesus in our fires. Does that make sense? It's easy for us to go into a situation and just be like, I'm on my own. I can't see God. He's not here. Because we get so wrapped up in our situation, in our things, that we struggle to see God walking around in our fire with us. So we have to understand that God calls us not to compromise in difficult situations. And sometimes it's incredibly hard. And sometimes it's just super easy. And we just say, I'm done, I'm walking out. Other times you're so involved in a situation, you don't want to walk away, but you have to. to. And I've I've seen this so many times. While we were singing this song this morning, the Lord just took me back to when I just got into Joburg. And I was in that commune with a lot of unbelievers, and a lot of people that that really didn't know God. And I sat there many a night crying before the Lord. I'm like, Lord, why did you bring me to Johannesburg to place me to this? What am I supposed to do here? And he just reminded me again how he taught me how to pray in that situation, how he taught me how to share the gospel, how he taught me how to embrace the will of God for for that place and start fighting for the place even though it's not my own. The Lord taught me how to take ownership. I remember the one day I got back from a church event and I stepped into, into the house and I saw everyone sitting there. 
And I'm like, okay, guys, what's going on? And they're like, no, uh, there was stuff happening in the house. So we got us on Goma. He, he came and he prayed for the place. And uh, no, we have to put these mooties here and those mooties there. And we have to do this. And I walked in there and I said to the Lord, how dare he? You know, how dare this Sangoma come into my place that God gave me and try to take away what God is doing here? And I went to the owner of the house and I told her, we need to get rid of the stuff. And boy, were those people unfair. They, they were so unhappy. I think I, they didn't speak to me for the next six months. They were like, how can you ask us to throw this stuff away? I'm like, I'm not going to allow this stuff here because this is God's place. It's not yours. And we had to stand and fight for this. But at the end of the day, we cannot compromise on what God's word says. But in order for us to do that, we have to know what God's word is saying. We have to spend time in the Word of God. We have to memorize it. We have to take it to heart. We have to understand the, the complete aspect of transformation when the Word of God becomes a, a part of our lives. Right? And then it goes on and it says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Can you understand the revelation that the king just received from these three men because they weren't willing to compromise? They di he didn't say, as he previously did, he didn't say, like the Son of God, he said, the Most High God. There's a revelation that God placed in his heart when he saw these three men walking in that fire and nothing is touching them. He calls them out and he says, so he says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The satraps, prefects, governors, royal advisors crowded around them. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. And we're talking about a fire that just killed two of his strongest soldiers. And they walk out of there like it's nothing. They walk out of there because they weren't willing to sacrifice the relationship with Jesus Christ for an earthly statue. Now, we all have stuff in our lives. We all have stuff that we need to deal with. And I'll be the first to admit, I've got a lot of stuff that I have to surrender before the Lord. But the question is, how far have we already gone in sacrificing our relationship with Jesus Christ for those things. And what are those things going to get us one day in heaven? I just want us to think about that. Because we walk around every day and we have to make a constant choice for Jesus Christ. 
We have to make a constant choice to say, my relationship with Jesus is more worth than all the money in the world. My relationship with Jesus Christ is more worth than my relationship with my friends. If, the, if they do not want to follow Jesus with me, and I've tried my best to speak to them, is it worth not walking with them still? We have to ask ourselves questions. What are we willing to pay in order to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And here's the amazing part. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be cut into pieces, their homes be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save this way. We've got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people standing in front of the king. And the victory of three men turned into the victory of hundreds and thousands of people. Because God set up a stage in order for him to be glorified, not just in front of the king, but in front of all the nations, all the languages that were in Babylon at that time. How many victories are we robbing people of because we're willing to compromise? How many times can we say, Lord, I stood in a fire. I did not see you. But Father, when I came out the other side, I knew that you were there. Our expectation of God, on average, is that I don't want to go into the fire. Lord, I want to, I want to stay as far away from the fire as possible. I want to like, walk around the fire. But what if God is calling us into the fire? Are we willing to say, I'll go? Are we willing to say, Lord, even if it means I lose everything, I will go into the fire because it's not for me. It's for everyone else around me. And can I just, like, can we just recognize the faith that those three men walked out of that fire with? The way God strengthened them in the trial, in the storm, in Everything that was happening, God came and He strengthened them. And I'm telling you, those guys, they, they were ready for anything now. God wants to strengthen us. 
God wants to come and He wants to build up our hearts, build up our lives, encourage our faith. But that sometimes means that we have to go through extremely tough times, have extremely tough conversations in order to glorify God. And at the end of the day, when we have those conversations, people can say, I can actually see Jesus in your life. And it's not going to be necessarily always the king that makes this proclamation. It's going to be that guy that sits in a corner and that just observes. And he's going to come to you and be like, why did you just say no? What was your reason? And then you can share the gospel with that person. Or that family member that constantly challenges you and you have to be like, this is what God's word says. I'm not compromising on this. Because it's easy to say, I'll just, I'll just ask forgiveness tomorrow. It's easy to say, Lord, you know my heart. It's easy to say these things. But at the end of the day, it's not about us. God is calling us to open doors for other people. He's calling us to be the example that the world needs to see. And we can see that in the story. How God is using these three men to not just save the king, but the whole of Babylon. Let's start surrendering our expectations before the Lord. Let's start saying, Father, even if it doesn't work out like I wanted to, help me to see what you are doing. Bring community in around you. Let them help you to see Jesus in the fire. Because we can easily be defeated. We can easily become negative. We can easily walk away and be like, this Christianity thing is not for me. Look what just happened to me. At the end of the day, we need people around us in order to help us see what Jesus is doing. To help us understand the work that God is establishing inside of us. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.